In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, give thanks and praise. The gift of your incarnation, the gift of eternity, the gift of this world that we have the opportunity to come to worship you, to praise you, and find fulfillment in your graces. Amen. One of the things that I'm not great at as a priest is answering questions for children. Me and children, I just like that. I'm used to preaching to like adults. I do really good with adults, ask adult questions, and go from there. So, for example, uh, sometimes kids will point to me and they'll ask their mom to say, Mommy, Santa? And I'm like, No, just because I have a beard doesn't mean I'm Santa. Right? Sometimes kids think that I'm Jesus. Like, Hi, Jesus. Not Jesus. I am his best friend. Okay, fair enough. So one question that I always find very interesting that actually comes up more often than you would think. And I can always just tell how it happens in the home and then how the parent will bring the child to me to answer the question. So imagine a child is at home asking their mommy questions, right? So mommy, like looking at their, their sibling, like, where did the sibling come from? Like, well, it was in mommy's tummy and then now the baby is here. Okay, where did I come from? Like, well, you were in mommy's tummy and then now, now you're here on earth. Like, well, how'd I get into your tummy, mommy? That's a question we'll answer when you're a little older, okay? That question, okay. Well, I came from my mommy. Okay, well, where did they come from? From her mommy. Okay, and I think all the way back, like, there was this guy, Adam and Eve, and God created Adam and Eve. God created the whole world and all people. And the child will ask a question, okay, who created God? Where did God come from? And the parents pause and say, we're going to ask Father Pierre on Sunday, okay? So then Sunday's come, and it's, honestly, it's like a monthly occurrence for me. A kid asks, Father Pierre, I have a question for you. I'm like, sure. Where did God come from? I'm like, how do I answer a child's question for such a deep theological, philosophical question? Like, well, God's, God's being, his being is that he exists. Like, I have flesh and blood, and I have a body and a, and a soul. That's my existence. That's my essence. That's what makes me who I am. But God's existence, God's essence, is that he exists. He is the being that is eternal from all eternity. He has no time and space. Time and space is and of itself. The nature of time only exists because of the temporal being and the spinning of the earth. But because God has no temporal, no material being, he is outside of time and space. Therefore, he has always existed because no time exists for God. They're like, okay, Father, like, thank you for answering my question. Like, How do I answer the question to a child? They just say, listen. God always has existed. God always was, always will be, always is. God is. That's how God reveals himself to Moses. I am who am. I am the being that exists. I don't have to exist. You don't have to exist. If there was a different time and space and your parents had never met, you wouldn't exist. But God does. And God chose to in his eternal love and his eternal wisdom to create the world and all of us in it. And we hear that throughout the, the readings today, especially as we enter into the, the depth of the season of Epiphany, revealing who God is. So we'll go from Isaiah, and then we'll go to Hebrews, and then we'll go to the Gospel of John, because all the readings really point to it. From Isaiah, Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, his Maker, Will you question me about my children, or command me concerning the works of my hands? I made the earth and created man upon it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their hosts. God, the creator of the world. And then in Hebrews. Yet Jesus has been counted worthy of as much more glory than that of Moses, 
as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. And then John's gospel. And you can see the depth of how John was shifting. You can see the shift in the theological understanding and the explanation of the gospels. Because you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and their three purposes, like I'm telling you a story. This is Jesus. This is what he did. He taught. He preached. He healed. He died. He resurrected. Luke's really focused on the, the Elizabeth and, and Zechariah and the, and the Gabriel, the Annunciation. All different focuses. John, in theory, John had already seen these three Gospels and is like, all right, let me approach this as a different angle. How does he start? Beautiful beginning of his Gospel. It's the John chapter 1, verse 1. The first words in John's Gospel. In the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then goes on to say, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That the God of the universe. Like, so, Father Pierre, who created God? Who, who brought God into, like, like all these questions, who brought God into existence? He is the being that has always existed. That concept should be meditated on and reflected on to the day we die. Because, yeah, there's so much of the church and the details of the church, the details of the Christian life, which is fine. Very fine. But sometimes, and maybe just this Sunday, especially because of the gospel, it's healthy for us as baptized followers and disciples of Jesus every once in a while to pause, enter into the reality of who God is. Just like a child asks the question, ask the same question. The God of the universe who, in the beginning, since always, since before creation, since before the universe and its vastness, always, has no time, has no space, has no beginning, has no end, that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Just to be in awe of that is very, very beautiful. And one image that came to mind for me as I was praying with this whole idea, the whole concept, the whole gospel, was think of a child. Think of a couple who like gets pregnant, they're all excited, yay, pregnant, and they have like a, they have like a, a part like, okay, is it a boy or a girl? Like, oh, it's a boy, blue cake, cool, okay, whatever. And then you go, and then like the whole process of birthing a child. And then that, there's like that moment where like the mom's holding the baby and the husband's there, and it's like a beautiful moment of just like, this is amazing. And you just, you just kind of in awe. Like, through all this process, it's like you're holding your child, you're a human, that because of your love is created into this world. And that's that moment, just pause and appreciate that. And then very soon after that, you have diapers and bishy and, and sleep time and feeding them and then teaching them how to crawl and walk and potty training them in life and school, character, a lot that goes into it. Just like a lot that goes into the Christian life. A lot. It's your whole life of Christian life following Jesus and all these things. But every once in a while, it's healthy to pause and just appreciate the beauty and the love of God and to just be in awe. It's even healthy at times like today where it's really cold outside, very cold outside. But just even on a practical level as as a part of the Christian life, just to pause and recognize one very specific thing. Recognize that I have a bed, I have food on the table, I have a roof over my head, I'm in a heated building, I'm going to leave here in the cold and go to a heated house. All of us are wealthy. All of us are extremely rich. Different levels, obviously. 
But because of our lives, God's blessings to us. And there's, out, there's some out there who are homeless. We have an obligation to pray for them. Those in different, different worlds, different circumstances, different generations, back in the day, whatever, centuries ago, where life was much harder. We live in an extremely, extremely comfortable era. Which is fine. We've worked hard for it. God bless you guys. But just to pause and appreciate and not take for granted. Even this Mass, especially this Mass, if I, if I so can, right? Because there's so much in the church. Like, we have to start on time. We had Mass at 8. We had Mass at 10. We had Mass at 12. We had baptism at 3.30. We have Mass at 6.30. We have to make sure the lights are on. Is the heat working? Do we have enough incense? Do we have the bread and wine for the altar? Is the, is the, is the parking lot shoveled? Is it salted properly? Did we vacuum all the salt? All the salt causes problems. There are so many, de- so many details that go on with the church. So many details that go on with your lives. So many details that go on with the world. It just keeps spinning. But sometimes... This is my prayer for all of you. This is my prayer this week for whatever reason. It's healthy. Just to pause. Not take for granted. Not let the things that are so beautiful pass us by. That the God of the universe, in the beginning, the word is flesh. That here we are at this Mass. And it's all throughout the Mass, right? Think of the prayer before we receive the Eucharist. Let us approach with fear. It's piety, which is a poor translation. Fear and reverence. And we're about to approach the eternal God. That same God, the same God that has always existed, chose to become man for our salvation. And we get to receive him in the Eucharist. And that is incredibly beautiful. So when your child asks the question, where did God come from? That's an opportunity for you to pause and say, man, the God of the universe, the God that created all, the God who created time itself, who was outside of time and space, that God because of his love for us, because of his desire to enter into relationship with humanity and each of us as individuals, that God became flesh and dwells among us. Amen.